Welcome to The Doctrinal Component with Tom Nettles, brought to you by Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries is a reformed teaching organization committed to the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. For more teaching material by Dr. Nettles, please visit founders.org. Hello, this is Tom Nettles. Welcome to this edition of The Doctrinal Component. In our last session, we saw how Andrew Fuller had become a member of the church at Soham, and his pastor, John Eve, had become involved in a theological dispute with some of the members. Mr. Eve left and was disappointed that Fuller eventually had taken the side of the church members that had opposed him on this issue. And so, after Mr. Eve left, Philippa Fuller, Andrew Fuller's mother, was very discouraged about this, and she arranged for him to take an apprenticeship in London. And she says one of the, the saddest statements that I've ever heard, she said that as we had now lost the gospel and perhaps shall never have it again, you could have no reason for wishing to continue here. However, Fuller was not quite that discouraged. Uh, he had formed friendships within the church. He began to find satisfaction in his biblical contemplation and his thoughts about how to preach. Uh, he thought that was a very noble calling. It was something that dealt with the most important subjects in the world and perhaps contemplated as to whether or not it might be God's will for him to preach. Anyway, a friend of his named Joseph Diver, a man who was baptized at the same time as Fuller, had been asked by the congregation to take up the preaching in the absence of Mr. Eve and before they could find another pastor. So Diver preached. He was a man who had studied the scripture and contemplated for a long time. He preached evangelical uh, messages that were centered upon the gospel, but uh, did not have that understanding of the warrant of all people to come to Christ and believe in him. There was one day when he was preaching, he was, or one day when he was supposed to preach, and he was sick, and he asked Fuller to preach for him. Fuller consented to do this, and he preached on Psalm 35. It says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Since that had been his personal experience about coming to Christ, he was able to give personal testimony about the reality of conviction of sin, about the reality of the sufficiency of Christ and the glory of Christ and the beauty of Christ, and he felt great freedom in preaching and was uh, deeply moved at the privilege that he had had and, and felt that this is something he would like to do again. So the occasion came again, and he preached, but he felt that he had failed in preaching, and he resolved never to attempt it again. Uh, he declined this exercise, although he was asked a few other times, and for more than a year he decided, he, he said no. But again in 1773, Diver was absent. He asked Fuller to attempt something. And Fuller said, I spoke from those words of our Lord, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. 
He goes on to testify, On this occasion, I not only felt greater freedom than I had found before, but the attention of the people was fixed. And several young persons in the congregation were impressed with the subject and afterwards joined the church. So that cured him of this great resistance he had developed to preaching after having failed on one occasion. And again, he felt the deep importance of this exercise and the great grace that God had given in allowing uh, sinners to utter these words of eternal life and utters of uh, utter words of divine revelation. In 1774, a woman died and left a request that if the church did not think it disorderly, that Andrew Fuller be allowed to preach a funeral sermon on that occasion. So they did that. He preached the sermon. The church was pleased with the pastoral nature of it. And so the church called him to pastoral ministry. He was called publicly to preach the gospel in January of 1774. He was asked in July of 1774 to take the pastoral care of the church, and he finally accepted February the 19th, 1775, two weeks after his 21st birthday. Well, it was at this time that he began to engage the issue of hyper-Calvinism. It was a long and drawn-out process for him. It involved several experiences of preaching and contemplation and reading and comparing the works of authors that he respected. One of the theological exercises he had was reading through the body of divinity by John Gill, which he said was very helpful to him in many ways. But he also read the works of John Bunyan, and we knew that they were the same in many areas. They were both uh, Calvinists and both had deep experiences of the grace of God. But Bunyan was very strong on the free offer of the gospel to all men, whereas Gill seemed more restricted in that. And at first, he just felt that Gill probably was more clear on his views, and perhaps Bunyan was a bit inconsistent. The more he studied, however, the more he found that the Puritans of uh, the 150 years ago had taken the view that Bunyan had taken, uh, that though they were strong confessionally in their understanding of the doctrines of grace, they were also just as strong in seeking to apply these things to the hearts of sinners and calling upon sinners to believe Christ and blaming them for not doing so. He says that he did not for himself, he did not for some years address an invitation to the unconverted to come to Christ for salvation. As he goes on to talk about this, he says, I had not yet learned that the same things which are required by the law are bestowed by the grace of God. And that seemed to be the key, that there was no final contradiction between law and gospel, that the law was not something that was required for man only in his unfallen state, and the righteousness of the law was not something that was to be expected by man's obedience in the unfallen state, but that the righteousness of the law was the only thing by which we could gain eternal life. And so the gospel itself was a declaration 
of righteousness that was obligatory upon sinners. And the fact that it was only achieved by Christ did not mean that sinners were not obligated to seek it, but it meant that they were obligated, in fact, to believe the gospel. So this idea that those things that are required by the law are bestowed by the grace of God became a turning point in Fuller's Theological Reflections. We'll continue to look at this in our next edition. Thank you for listening to this one of The Doctrinal Component.